What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to an episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode 92, eight more until episode 100 next year. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Chris Rivers. Chris, how was it coming back to work this week? Coming off of your four-day weekend, how was it? I wanted my weekend to continue. Yeah, that's that's uh, how I always am. Yeah, it. It's still hectic because we're trying to we're trying to get a lot of orders out to a lot of these places to stock their warehouses. Do y'all get so, a big boost for like Black Friday and stuff? Of of orders? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we've been working toward mm. for the past month and a half is filling a bunch of that stuff so that they Ugh. they have what they need. We're thinking it's going to probably calm down in the next three weeks. So. That's a, something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. Listen. How's your week off? It was busy. And I know we're talking before the show. It's just, I worked this weekend, which is a new thing for my department and everything. We're still trying to iron all that out, but miserable. But we're figuring it out. I played a lot of games this week. But I say that, but it was just like in short, small little bursts. Like nothing worthwhile. Like maybe an hour or 45 minutes at a time. But I've got a lot to talk about because I played a lot of new things. I'm caught up on Marvel Snap. Like I'm already done for the week, so there's no point really logging back in, which is frustrating because I just want to keep playing, which I can't keep playing. I'm just I'm just too good at that one, I feel like. I feel like everyone just makes these dumb mistakes, and I'm just a, a god at it. it. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm not even playing real people. But. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you been watching anything crazy this week? Man, I I was going to finish Blockbuster at the very least. Mm. I didn't even start on the last five episodes. I watched the second episode, finished it, and I said, no, I'm going to pass. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't. Like they, I feel like they try too hard on some of their one-liners that they do and some of their jokes. Uh-huh. I'm just like... Eh, I really don't care about the the storylines. Like I can kind of tell things are going to pan out already, and I love the the Jimmy Woo character uh, actor. I forget his name and Melissa. Um, oh, I always forget her name. It starts with an F, but I really like those actors. But it's just I can't get into it. It's yeah. so I I passed on that this week after watching an episode. I finished Jack Ryan season two, so now I am done that way and ready for Jack Ryan season three which is just in like two or three weeks which I'm so excited about and then I did the Doctor Who Day of the Doctor special I think was what it was it was the last one with Joey, Jody Whitaker until 2023 right. and man every time they do a uh, the last episode for one of the doctors always gets me balling like, I was just a this one was a rough one they always do their goodbyes in a certain special way and this one was just beautiful and perfect so but now I, I feel like i'm caught up on everything that i wanted to catch up on i got mythic quest i might start this week but just for season was it three yeah season three so we'll see but i feel like i'm caught up on everything which is real weird to for me to say and to, it's a weird feeling because you're like I just, there's always something to watch next and there's nothing there yet but something that was there this week for us chris Titan, Titan, <laughs> Titans, Titan season four, episode four, super, super marked. We're going back to reviewgeek.com by 
Greg Wheeler for the recap of the episode. Of course, full spoilers on for the show. Episode 4 of Titans Season 4 starts in 1996 with May arriving at her job and being berated by her boss. She struggles to control her powers, eventually telepathically controlling him and killing the guy via suicide. Everyone rushes in to check on him. May sits content with what's happened. She's unfortunately also loses her job for the fourth time this year. What um, They teased this one, and I was like, oh my god, are we getting Poison Ivy? I didn't recognize that was May, the big four-headed lady from the previous episodes but the first thing she did was um read a well she brings a plant back to life which was real weird and i was like okay we're getting poison ivy back in did not get poison ivy back in so um but it was it was weird man i thought we're getting poison ivy back in this one uh, May meets a strange man at the bar, offering a business card for the organization, which cultivates special individuals, which, Chris, sell us in season one. Episode one, pretty much. And that was the whole thing. We knew it. Of course, we were talking about Trigon. Uh, it was all with ties to him, trying to bring him back to life, destroy the planets, etc., etc., etc. He says, sometimes the brightest lights come from the darkest places. There's no fee or friends required for signing up, but he does encourage her to turn the card over. Three words happen to be there, and he tells her to say the words out loud, much the same way that Mother Mayhem tried to instill this on Sebastian. When she says these three words, something happens. Of course, the three words are Azareth, Mitrion, Zinthos, which of course is the Ravens, like um, the way her activate her powers and things like that. If you've ever watched any Teen Titans or any of the animated stuff. Fast forward a year, and May Bennett is at the organization encouraged to have faith as, quote-unquote, he wants to meet her. Fast forward a month, and all the girls are blindfolded and standing before a large hole in the ground. They each tumble backwards, taking a leap of faith into the darkness. Only one can be triumphant, and that comes from Mother Mayhem, who goes out of her way to make sure her companion tumbles, and she comes out victorious. In the present, Dick and Corey contemplate what to do with Sebastian. They discuss the Red Moon song Corey's been hearing at the diner while Rachel offers Sebastian some company. He admits he's been hardly sleeping lately and that May Bennett may wanted her to repeat those three words. It seems to be the cycle repeating again, potentially moving the demons across to him from her. When Sebastian says the, worst, uh, the first words, Rachel recognizes them immediately and hastily tells him to stop. I'm going to put a pin there because... This is when I started realizing something was up with Sebastian and um, Rachel. Jamie said, she goes, I think they might be related. I was like, oh, you're kind of crazy. I, th- I think there's something there. So I don't, I don't think so. That'd be kind of weird. So remember that. Uh, although the gang are confident no one survived the fire at the asylum, the latest revelations have certainly changed their mind. As the gang head off, Tim is filled in on the gaps in his story, with Rachel's father in charge of everything and the events leading to Trigon's return. When Sebastian hears the word Trigon, he soon perks up, seemingly hiding something from the others. Mm-hmm. The asylum is not there anymore, but in its, plate is a, in its place is a super supermart, which is a very, just a very generic name I thought was very funny. Um, apparently it's just an ordinary store, but a ridiculous amount of ravens are circling outside, seeming to tell another story. The Titans head in around the back and find a suspicious-looking entrance. Bennett and the others are aware of what's happening, watching on their monitors and intent on letting Sebastian learn about his destiny and origins. Quote, Hounds of Hell, it's time. She smiles as a whole bunch of men head out of the mart armed with an array of weapons from inside. 
So what happened? Well, it turns out May fell pregnant, uh, but as it was a boy, it didn't fulfill the prophecy and was removed. Rachel's the only one they were waiting for all this time, as we know from the events of season one. So what this tells me, Chris, is that we are, um, that is, Rachel and Sebastian are half-brother and half-sister, and, oh, did not see that coming, but apparently my wife did, you know, but it's just how it is, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She got you beat on that one. Yeah, she's, she's been doing that quite a bit lately with those. Um, it's like she needs to be running for TV because she, she gets the tropes and she knows where they are. Um, uh-huh. While Jinx contemplates whether they should just kill Sebastian and be done with it, the others are obviously against this. However, they're snapped out of their argument by a whole bunch of these armed guards showing up and attacking the Titans. They're all zombified, so the whole solution is just to cut their heads off. So Rachel straight up hacks up a guy with a chainsaw. Beautiful and very yeah. well done. Uh, was very, not expecting uh, it, but a very graphic. Very, very evil dead of her. <laughs> yes. And this is very, I loved a lot of this episode. We'll talk about it once I get done with the recap of the things. But Jinx manages to hold up the group momentarily, and as they manage to lock the door and buy themselves some time. However, they walk right into a trap as a zombified Deathstroke appears and begins firing on them all. Connor decides to hold him off, punching his head clean off from his shoulders. However, that's not the end, as Deathstroke replaces his head and marches on them again. Bennett happens to be controlling them all from afar, and unfortunately, Connor gets stabbed with a knife. Although the Titans manage to break free and escape, it's not the end of this. Connor heads into the bathroom and vomits up one of those snakes in a lot of blood. He lies to the others, claiming he's okay, but obviously is not. Listen, if we could keep Jinx around in every episode from here on out, I would be a-okay. I feel like she brings so much to the to the team. And I know she's a villain. I know she's a bad guy. But I really love her dynamic with all of this. Her um, her magic brings a lot of fun and interesting things. Uh, the back and forth about Superman hating magic. And he goes, oh, he did the whole you know Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf Star's taking over a planet excuse again, did he? It's just some of the just funny, dumb quips like that that helps flesh out the universe and that everyone knows about this. And uh, Beast Boy was even like, oh, yeah, no, I read that once. That's right. No, it was uh, Tim. And he goes, yeah, I've read that once. That's right. He's a friend of magic. I was like, this is so good. Like, please keep her in this. Like, her, she's so witty. And I read an article. I wonder if I could find it. That she based her, um, that the actress Jinx based off of her character off of Agents of Shield character, um, the Australian guy that gets that ends up being with Mockingbird. It's his ex-wife. She based her character off of him. Oh, now see now, what was his name? See, I know it's it's right there. I read the whole article and I was like, that is wonderful. I wonder if I still have that pulled up on my phone actually. Um. What? I cannot think of his the character name. I can't. It's gonna um, it's gonna bug me. But I've got it pulled up on my phone. Here it is. This is from cinemablend.com. Titans actress Lisa Ambalovinar, I'm gonna butcher that last name, shared how she pulled from Agents of Shield while crafting her version of Jinx. Uh, back in January, we learned, all right, let's see. That being said, Jinx brings a sort of chaotic energy to the show, and in that regard, and Balvinar shared with Cinema Blend that she was yeah, influenced her name, uh, influ- was influenced by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the ABC show that ran from 2013 to 2020. Um, 
In addition to Lisa explaining how the steps she took to make sure her version of Jinx didn't emulate Doctor Strange on Titans, the actress also talked to me about what made her role coming into the team. Phil, who have established rapport with one another, she thinks she think, ugh, she shakes things up. We'll get your name right now. Quote, that is something I liked about the character, coming in fresh. I had remembered, actually, this is something I've never told anyone. I remembered when I used to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and there was a character who came in called Hunter, played by a British actor, and I remembered how he'd come in with his own cheeky British accent and just bring that fresh bit of energy into the show, or something different to a genre that can be a lot brooding. And nothing wrong with that at all, but I feel like that was nice to try and inject that same kind of, here's something different. People either love that or they'll hate it, and that's absolutely fine, but it's kind of a conscious thing to do, not just to come in and be the same as everyone else. And I loved it. I mean, she killed it and, really well. and came off of a hit TV series that ended way too soon. That, that we never know the, the outcome of everything else because where is Quake in the MCU? I digress. Good episode. Superman, Superboy gets stabbed. Did not see that coming. Uh, Were you like me and as soon as he got stabbed thinking, oh, they've got a knife made of crypto? Yes. That's exactly what I was like. I was like, oh, this is very, it's very death strokey. Yeah. But no, it was just a regular looking knife and they made sure to zoom in on it several times and just show like a regular knife. I, I bet it was imbued with magic or something like that. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography of this episode as well because I paid attention to some of the stuff for some reason this week. And the fighting scenes with Superboy, the way he was moving and acting was very teenagerish, but it was also very protective. Like he didn't care, he couldn't get hurt. And like he would walk behind and flare his arms out like this when people were, when they were running from Deathstroke's uh, gun, he was, he had his arms flared out like this. It was kind of walking and striking, trying to block all the bullets. Um, and then there was the scene where all the armed people first came into the asylum and he blocked the way of everybody as they were there. And he said, Beast Boy, I need your help. So just, just something small. I really enjoy, but this was a very good episode and we got a lot of answers. I'm very curious to see what Rachel and Sebastian do from here because they're now, I guess, kind of contained in this holding cell for now. And I'm very curious to see where this goes, but obviously there's a lot of similarities between the two and it's going to be good, especially considering Sebastian is our big villain at the end of the, at the end of the show. So spoilers. That's, what we've always known. Mm-hmm. So ba- so, Brother Blood or whatever it is. Are we supposed to see Jason Todd again this year? I don't know, but he was promoting the show when it premiered the season. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know why we wouldn't. I wish we would. It'd be a nice little redemption arc. Yeah. You could come in and help save the day. We've got Donna Troy out of the show. We've got Hawk, obviously, out of the show. Dove is with Donna Troy. So we have, I hope they come back. But, I mean, with the addition of Jinx, I don't know if they want to keep adding more people into the team. But they might. I mean. Maybe maybe they come back for the crossover. I'd be down for that. I just, I want a huge episode with all of them. Mm. So, that was episode four. I'm very, I don't know if we're getting an episode this week. I hope we do. With it being Thanksgiving and all, but I don't say I don't know why they wouldn't. Right, it's already filmed. It's not like right. Just go ahead and drop it and let everybody watch that instead of the 
whatever crappy football game is going to be. <laughs> Next week will be episode five of Titans. Uh, we're also going to be doing Santa Claus's episodes one through three on Disney+. Plus. Uh, really excited about this one, but we can actually start watching it now that Thanksgiving will be over. So we'll do that, which will end us up the, what, a week and a half before Christmas will be the last episode. So mm-hmm. everyone get in the yeah. festive spirit because it's going to be fun. I got, what is it? After the balls and all that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. After this week, we start watching Christmas movies too for a review, don't we? I think we're looking uh, the ones we have, yeah. been, I think we've covered all of them at this point. We, we've got the one next week won't be a Christmas movie. Right. And then we'll have to and look. That, yeah. We'll get dive into all the Hallmark movies, Chris. We can do a full three years of those. <laughs> I don't think we have that kind of time. I, know, I don't either. Um, only have one news stories here. It's a, I think it's a pretty exciting one. Amazon orders multiple Sony Marvel shows, with the first series being a Silk Spider Society. I'm going to Variety.com by Joe Otterson. Amazon is officially moving forward with multiple live-action shows based on the Marvel characters controlled by Sony. Variety has learned the first series is under the deal. Under the deal will be Silk Spire Society, which was developed by the Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang, along with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse producers Phil Lord and Christopher Christopher Miller. I did not know they were attached to it. That's very exciting. Um, Kang will serve as showrunner and EP on Silk as part of a new multi-year overall television deal she has signed with Amazon. Kang, Lord, and Miller, all executive producers, uh, will all executive produce along with former Sony boss Amy Pascal, which of course she was real prominent for uh, all the Spider-Man stuff we have now. Uh, Sony Pictures Television is a studio with Lord and Miller currently under an overall deal there. Silk Spire Society will debut domestically on MGM's Plus's uh, linear channel, followed by global launch on Prime Video, which is where everyone's going to watch it. The show is based on characters created by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos for Marvel Comics. It follows Cindy Moon, described as a Korean-American woman bitten by the same spider that bit Peter Parker, as she escapes imprisonment and searches for her missing family on her way to becoming the superhero known as Silk. I'm all in. I'm yeah. definitely not watching on MGM Plus, whatever that is. Just yeah. wait yeah. until it comes on Amazon Video. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, a, what a weird way to do things. Um, re- no sense. Re- releases this week, Wednesday, November th- 23rd. Wednesday drops on Netflix. Are you going to be checking that out? Yes. Okay. I might watch the first couple episodes of that one, too. And then Wednesday, November 23rd, over on Peacock, is Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin. I will not be checking. <laughs> we might watch that one, but that's just because we, we like Pitch Perfect over here. <laughs> the first one I saw, and I it was it was good. Yeah. And then after that, it seemed to just gradually kind of this eh, like like most sequels do. Unfortunately, unless you're a Marvel film, I mean, there's there's good performances in them. Yeah, but, and, but as far as story, and very flat, yeah. very flat and linear, nothing really there. Well, you can't be flat and be pitch perfect. Hey! <laughs> All right, on to movies. Uh, have you watched anything else this week? Uh, anything at all? Have I? No, no, no. I watched Black Panther. That was two weeks ago. So, no, I haven't watched anything else. I had to sit there. I don't know why I had to think about that for so hard. Because you're so busy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a week. Uh, 
Yeah, I haven't either. It's it's been kind of the same thing over here. Just I haven't done much watching or playing of anything. Mm. Trying to, it's. I think I'm finally start. It's starting to catch up to me. Yeah. Where I'm like, just drained. And don't yeah. Do it. Just exhausted, and nothing want to hold my attention right now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, exactly um, where you're at. But one thing that did hold our attention, um, from the time we saw it to the time now that we get to talk about spoilers of it. Mm-hmm. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. And <sighs> let's just go right ahead. We've covered the story. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you want to hear our thoughts on the story, listen to last week's episode. But let's talk about really the huge reveal at the end. Yes, that was the biggest thing. And let me tell you, my aunt and her kids uh, went and watched uh, went and watched it yesterday. And she said she loved it, and they all loved it, which was great. But then she goes, um, I said, what would you think about the end credit scene? She goes, oh, we Googled it while we were sitting there, and they said there was no post-credit scenes. So we just got up and left. I said, oh, my God. So I called them. I said, no, no, there was one. I said, this is what it was. Because I, I looked online for it. Of course, Marvel and Disney have that locked down where there are no end credit scenes on there or whatever. Which apparently I did come across. Apparently there were supposed to be two. But Ryan Coogler said he did not want that other one in there. But it was Dr. Doom was in there talking about the moon and that was supposed to be the second post credit scene. I don't know if we'll ever see that. I'm sure we will, but that was supposed to be in there and Ryan Coogler said, no, that's not going to be my film. You know, the cool thing about that, especially if they already filmed it, which I would think they did mm -hmm. is, uh, cause they, they would have had another director film it anyway is, uh, they could just drop that on Disney plus. Right. And just a small little, Hey, it, or, yeah. Or what they'll do is they'll probably put it in a uh, whole new series or not have to film something else. Or, or film. we get a post-credit scene to the holiday special, the Guardians holiday special. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of wouldn't fit, but at the same right. time. It could. It would. I wonder if... talking about the moon. Right. And we're talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I wonder if they... Because it's apparently like in some places it did show. Like in your early, early, early premieres, it did show. Um, but like no one, I don't think anyone's allowed to talk about it or something like that. I wonder if they push it back to like Quantumania and not have anything else filmed. I just say, hey, we're going to use this instead. Maybe. Um, who knows? Yeah, because that's our next movie. But I thought that was very interesting. Anyways, I called her and told her. And she was like, oh. She goes, yeah, we didn't see that. I'm like, how do you not see? Like, how did you not stay and see Nokia? revealing that her and T'Challa had a son named T'Challa, and we are 100% setting up the new Avengers, or the young Avengers. Right. Like, there, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, if nothing. And I don't understand uh, if how, how we're not doing that, how we haven't even talked about that on any D23 or anything. So... Oh, but man, it was. I'm, I'm still. I'm still about right where I am. When we talked last week about the film, and just the CGI was really bad. But I have to understand that it was during COVID. This is our last MCU COVID movie, and or project. I feel like, and this is. It just is what it is, and they had to work with what they worked with. So yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. Um. Obviously, the the other 
the the big focus going in was who's going to be the new Black Panther. Yes, and which and Marvel they tweeted it out today from their official account. So watch the new Black oh. Panther movie, and it's got a picture of Shuri with a Black Panther pose. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I guess you get a week, and that's about it. <laughs> not uh, not your favorite choice. Yeah, and and talking with Jamie, uh, I I think that's part of my problem why I was so low on it early on was yeah. just because I I did not want her becoming it and I knew she was going to be just because of uh, just her all her political stances and I yeah. mean I don't know it the thing that surprised me about it kind of tied to that is if something else flares up is she going to make herself available as someone that has to carry a film? Right. And I don't, personally, I don't feel like she did a great, um, I don't know, I just don't, I don't feel like she's a lead actress, honestly, as far as this goes. I, I was fine with her as like a side, or, side character, but man, could you imagine Nakia or, um, which now we know why she wouldn't have taken up the, the role was because she's got a son to protect and can't be doing all the superhero stuff. Or like M'Baku, which I'm assuming he's king of Wakanda now. I mean, is that, that's kind of where we left it, right? He, he said he was challenging for the throne. Yeah, and she and Shuri apparently knew about it, and that was just that. So. Yeah. So, now, the interesting part's going to be how long before uh, we get glimpse at a new young let's just say baby black panther right <laughs> teenage black panther <laughs> especially since it's, it's synthesis it, the, the heart-shaped herb is synthetic now and listen speaking of that because you know um, michael b jordan burnt it all down and killmonger what a what a surprise cameo to have him back in this movie and to have him be the spirit realm her spirit guide and i was like oh i got so excited i just i was half right that's what i was half right about was him being i wanted him to come back to be black panther but we yeah, didn't get that arc it was, it, was kind of a, it was kind of a double-edged sword right because right getting back you're like oh he really is dead yep so, he's, so, not gonna be yeah. he's not coming back uh, yeah. no no not at all that's as close as we're going to get to it. Um, we, of course, this was non-spoilery, uh, and we talked about it last week, Namor mm -hmm. uh, appearing in the film. And I was trying to think if we really had, I don't think there was anything that we withheld talking about with him. Right. Um, because nothing really tied to the other stuff. Mm-mm. It's, I'm curious after thinking, you know, for a week of everything about it, why wouldn't he, you think he would have been more angry about the snap? Like, cause half of his people, unless he got snapped himself and can't rage war against the, the landers or earth landers, what do you even call them? If he got snapped, but I feel like that would have been a big, um, thing. But I guess if you think he got snapped then you don't have to worry about it. I wonder if any of them did because wasn't it 
didn't the snap wasn't the way that they worded it that it took out half of all known life in the universe? Oh, just half of all life. I, was it just half of all? Yeah. I thought it was half of all known life because if I don't think anyone really knows about them. Hmm, that's true too. So they could have been immune to it, I right? Guess. And if they aren't coming up to the surface a lot, they may not have realized. Yeah. How crazy a story would it be to find out that Namor and the Atlanteans had no idea a snap occurred? Right. Because you got the whole world talking about the, geom the geographical collapse and everything. Oh, something else we talked about last week, too. Uh, Madam Hydra and uh, Martin Freeman's character were married. And now she's, we officially have her job title. She's director of CIA. And she had, she knew the whole time that he was obviously talking to the Wakandans. But I thought that was very, um, very different. Kind of got more for her story, but not really. So I'm curious to see where we go from here. But she's clearly, because he has said, you know, what would you have done with all the, if you had all the vibranium? She goes, oh, I dream of it. And, she, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're obviously a villain. <laughs> I mean, um, so, but I thought that was very, was not expecting her in it at all. Her, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Ironheart, still not very high on the outfit, but we've got that out of the way. So hopefully we can get some better CGI for her on her series. Yeah. Really excited about her still. Just yeah. not, not that suit because that was terrible. Yeah, the performance was really good. The character was well-written. But like you said, the suit, horrendous, very, clunk, very clunky, as well. Yes. Uh, just didn't like the overall design of it. So, no. I was wanting something sleek. Mm-hmm. Especially next to the Black Panther armor. Oh, the Black Panther, her armor, Shuri's armor was terrible looking. Like I, yeah. I did not like that at all. I, again, I did not. I, I don't know. And maybe I'm just. A little too hard on it all, but the CGI just really took me out of a lot of the story. Just because I was, I feel like I'm being too critical about it, but if I can notice it that easy and it bothered me that much, like you could tell when they were using the video wall from Disney right. and you could tell what was CGI. I just, I, I did not like it, especially, oh, the end scene where they were on top of the, the barge uh, ship thing. It was yeah. so bad. Oh, it was so bad. It, it, I did not like it, but... Well, let, let me ask you this, because this is something I kind of thought about in relation to that over the course of now two weeks. They've been getting hit a lot on their CGI. Mm -hmm. uh, remember when she, when we first got images of She-Hulk, people were complaining in the, te in the teaser trailer yes. for it that it looked horrible. And by the time we saw it, it was better. There were still a couple of moments here or there that were rough. Do you think that they go away from doing as much with the video wall and from doing as much as much CGI? Yes. Try and do more practical See, where I, they can. I don't know. Like I, I would hope so because it would look better in some instances. But they have to. Like with these shows and movies, you have to use a lot of CGI on some things. Um, I don't know if it was with you or if it was with the podcast I was watching, but. With the holiday special for um, Guardians coming up, a lot of people are talking about Groot looks practical um, in some of the scenes. It might have been when we were doing our breakdown of it. But 
someone mentioned that on the trailer and James Gunn came out and said this week on Twitter, actually, he said, no, he goes, I'm going to pass that on to our awesome special effects team because he is not practical. He is 100% CGI still. And everyone was just baffled because it looked like he was a practical suit, but he wasn't all CGI still. So maybe it's the, the COVID era. Yeah. Kind of slipping away, but I don't, I don't know. Could be, or maybe they just, having more projects and development they're having to bring some people in that right. they normally wouldn't have given as much to do until they had the experience and maybe they're having to rely on some of those people and it's showing right I don't know. a whole lot of things but they whatever they did this this movie was not it and don't ever do it yeah. again there's not really <laughs> outside of T'Challa's son which is going to be interesting to see also if he goes back to Wakanda. Well, I think he'll stay in Haiti for a while. Yeah, for a while. But then when he goes back, does he just take the throne? Hmm. It's it's really his. Right. Or does so, he have to challenge for it like they did? See, I don't know. I, I feel like M'Baku would give it away too if he felt like he was worthy of it. Because, I mean, that was the whole thing with M'Baku. He didn't respect any of the other kings until T'Challa came around. And then he started respecting him and following him into battle and everything. And that's why he was so high on their family afterwards. So, I mean, I don't know. It's I would I want M'Baku to raise this kid. <laughs> One thing that we, that we shouldn't neglect to mention was the major unexpected death in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we, we kind of glossed over that, too, last week. Um, but the queen fell mm-hmm. in the hands of Namor. And that was and, a rough one, too. And really, she could have survived, right? Yep. Well, she chose to sacrifice her life to save someone else's. Mm-hmm. The queenly thing to do. I mean, she's... An An- Angela Bassett, she's... Listen, if she doesn't get an Oscar or something from this, an award... Because her performance was so damn good. Like, start yeah. to finish the whole movie. She put her every ounce of her soul and her all into this film. And oh, dear, if anybody gets anything off of an MCU movie, it needs to be her for her performance. Well, she, she usually does that in, in her work anyway. But you have to think that, the fo- especially the folks that worked with him a lot, wanted to nail this mm-hmm. for, Chad- for Chadwick Boseman. It's a great tribute movie for him. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, what a what a movie! I I want to watch it again. Obviously, I'll get the steelbook for it and hopefully be less critical over it. <laughs> now that you know what you're gonna see, you yeah, enjoy it more. Um, onto our movie of the week. Um, we have reviewed Enola Holmes. Oh, finally almost has it been almost three years since we watched the first one I think so because that was let me actually let me google one when did Enola Holmes come out it's going to give you last week's date or whatever September 23rd 2020 I did not realize that was a 2020 so, movie it's been two years mm-hmm it's still too long. I yes, too, too long. <laughs> Constantly stay in production on these. 
I'm okay with giving up Henry Cavill for The Witcher if he can play Sherlock more. Yeah. <laughs> Sherlock and Superman. Right. Or um, a combination of the two. I'd be down for that. Uh, so, a quick synopsis. Fresh off the triumph of solving her first case, which, by the way, no one gives her credit for, um, Enola Holmes, played by Millie Bobby Brown, follows in the footsteps of her famous brother Sherlock, played by Henry Cavill, and opens her own agency, only to find that life as a female detective for hire isn't as easy as it seems. Resigned to accepting the cold realities of adulthood, she's about to close shop when a penniless matchstick girl offers Enola her first official job to find her missing sister. But this case proves to be far more puzzling than expected, as Enola is thrown into a dangerous new world from London's sinister factories and colorful music halls for the highest echelons of society in 221B Baker Street itself. As the sparks of a deadly conspiracy ignite, Enola must call upon the help of friends and Sherlock himself to unravel her mystery. The game, it seems, has found its feet again. Um, I really liked this movie. Sequels can be hit or miss. Right. And uh, I really liked the film. Um... I'm going to come in on this. I'm just going to go ahead and give my rating real quick. I'm going to come in on this at a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very high on it. Um, I like that they used a real life situation to build the story around. I see. I didn't know that until the end. And that shows why they did that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I give my score real quick while you while you keep going is yeah i'm at four and a half like i almost give us a five stars and i, yeah. I, I honestly i still might next time i'm sitting here thinking about it because right. oh watch it again and just say you know what that's five, that's five. yeah that, that that's a five one <laughs> uh the performances all around were great uh let me i've got the imdb page here pulled up so i can actually um look at our astounding cast so we already mentioned Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill, although Tyler wouldn't mind if we mentioned Henry Cavill again because he's a big fan. Can't go um, wrong with old Cavill. Then we had Grail, played by David Thewlis. Uh, and, of course, Lewis Partridge was back as Tewksbury. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Susan Wacoma back as Edith. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is back as Eudoria Holmes. Um, and... Adil Akhtar is Lestrade, the uh, old the old Lestrade, or Lestrade. He uh, just kind of goofy mm-hmm. that character, which is not how he's usually cast in any of the other shows or movies or anything. Right. Which I I think it works here a little. Sometimes he was a little too goofy, and too yeah. aloof rather. Uh, but man, them adding David Thewlis to the cast for this. So now you've got two different uh, Harry Potter stars in this film. And he, everything he does was just spectacular. Like, I mean, perfect casting for this. And like, I'm right there with you. Like, nobody had a bad beat in this whole film. And of course, we're going to go full on spoilers for this one just because we've been waiting forever and talking about it for a while. So if you haven't watched it now, is the time to click off. But dear God, did you see um, 
Moriarty, Mira Troy coming to into play. Like it, it, it was the, cause of course you're thinking about the whole, you're thinking of Enola Holmes's case. You weren't really so much focusing on Sherlock Holmes, uh, what he was going through. They, they kind of peppered it in there and how it was related. But then they, they pointed Moriarty. And I was like, oh, so it's gotta be someone close. And then it was right before the reveal. I was because they, when he sent the telegram off, and um, what was the guy who that made you think it was? Who was really still a bad guy? God, I can't think of that guy's name. Um, oh, McIntyre. Yeah. When I had him come in, I said, "Oh my God, his secretary's Moriarty," because this guy is not smart enough to do any of this stuff. And then I got to thinking because I didn't say that out loud yet, and I was like, "Oh." She is her because she was giving Enola all this advice and what to do and stuff like that during the ball. And it's just, that's that Moriarty before the big reveal of give you those little shoves in the direction they want you to do. And having it be a female this time and Sharon Duncan Brewster playing her. God, I I told Jamie, I said, that is a perfect Moriarty. And I'm really excited. And even I texted you last night because there was a um, post-credit scene, which was very very good on its own but i googled i was like there has to be a third one they have to be talking about it but there's been no mention of it yet and uh if we don't get a third one of this series to close it out i'm going to be very very upset so listen anything out yeah we're gonna we're gonna have the uh the whole universe for this franchise and it's gonna be like 30 films and we're gonna enjoy every one of them. yes <laughs> <laughs> But one thing I loved about the fact, though, that they cast Sharon Duncan Brewster in this, um, she was able, in the scene with the reveal, like, she she was able to play the character softer mm-hmm. uh, for the whole movie, and then in the scene with the reveal, there were a couple of shots where she gets this look in her eye, Oh, you're like... Oh, she's crazy. Yeah, like she is very um, pulling the strings, very puppet mastery, but she's very evil, but very um, like psychotic evil. It it was almost the look she got a couple times you could almost describe as creepy. Mm -hmm. This look in her eye that was just like, she's not going to stop. Right, and and we find out she escapes. Yes, and I, as soon as they put her, as soon as they arrested her, didn't have one of the homes on her. I was like, oh yeah, she's escaping from this, and we get that yeah. little glimpse in the newspaper that she does. So I was like, oh, so we're setting up the third movie, baby, and oh man, it's. I feel like with this one, because of the first movie, we got a lot of Enola Holmes and very little of Sherlock and passing up until the right at the end. Which yeah. was fine. We were being introduced into Enola, not Sherlock. Everyone knows Sherlock. And, right. and, and in real life and in the film. And this one was almost 50-50. I would say, what, 55% Enola? Mm, I would say 60% Enola, 30% Sherlock. Or 40% Sherlock, sorry. And Math is hard. And I, and I really enjoyed that because we got some of that iconic Sherlocky stuff in there. His violin, his um, his hat. No, we didn't get his hat in this film because you can't take uh, Henry Cavill's beautiful hair away. Uh, but you got his pipe and his violin. And it was just very well done. And what took Enola Holmes, like she's younger, obviously. What was it? A couple hours to figure out the poem. He figured it out and just by reading it for the first time. 
and I was like, this is so good. Like, and and Millie Bobby and Henry Cavill's um, interactions were always so good. Like, it was almost like they were really brother and sister, just the way that their their acting performances were. And I I I I told Jamie, I, said, I could watch these guys all day. Like, this is to me, this is this series and all homes and all homes too are some of the best filmmaking that I have seen in a long time, not being a Marvel property either. Um, a couple of more uh, cast members I want to touch on before we, before we talk about some other stuff here. Just some standout performances based on their time on screen as well as, as what they did. Uh, Gabriel Tierney, who was William Lyon, mm-hmm. was really good. Um, Hannah Dodd, who played the Sarah Chapman Sicily. Did not catch on until we saw her at uh, Tewksbury's right. apartment. That's who that was. Uh-huh. Charles McIntyre was played by Tim McMullen. Uh, very good. You immediately didn't like him. Yes. Uh, and then finally, Serana Suling Bliss played Bessie. Um, and for an actor that young mm-hmm. to, to do what she did. Phenomenal. Her faces um, were really well done acting wise when she, uh, when Enola was going up to the office and her freaking out like she was going to get in trouble for it. Like, perfect. Oh, just so perfect. Yeah, because it, it was completely unreasonable, too, that yeah. you would have her get in trouble because someone else walked off from the yes. station. But that's how they would have handled <laughs> yep. it. Yep. Um, the final name to mention, though Himesh Patel. <laughs> we get the reveal. And meet for the first time in this series, Doctor Watson. Mm. I don't know what did it last night. I was like, I'm going to scroll. Maybe it's just all the years ingrained for me from uh, the Marvel movies. But I was like, I'm uh-huh. gonna, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit and see if there's a post credit scene. And sure enough, that popped up. And as soon as it happened, I texted you because I didn't want you to miss it because we got Doctor Watson. Like we talked about this, uh, the kind of peppered it in throughout the movie. Of yeah. that Sherlock is lonely, needs a friend, and he's asked Nola multiple times to move in with him. Kind of told her once, and then asked her at the end of the movie. And she said, well, she goes, you need a friend. She goes, let's set up appointments each week where we can just kind of hang out and either talk about cases, just be together. And so she says, Thursday at 4. And he says, okay, Thursday at 4. And sure enough, Thursday at 4 comes around. There's a knock at the door, and the, the little uh, clock goes off. He says, oh. Thursday at four and opens the door and who will be standing there but uh, Mr. Patel as Dr. Watson and he said oh the the little girl told me to be here at four didn't want to miss my appointment and he said ah and he said you are and he said he said who you are Mr. And he said ah doctor actually Dr. Watson and yeah. Henry Cavill makes a face and he lets him into the apartment and they shut the door and that's the end of the movie. And damn it, Chris, if this movie just didn't get me at that point, even more, I was like, Oh, how could they leave me alone even more? And right. here we are. I think that's a sign that we will get a third one. What's going to be interesting is do they branch them off? Right. Do we keep following Enola on some of her adventures, but then does Henry Cavill, uh, come back along with, um, Mesh Patel and do a Sherlock movie or two. Could you imagine them doing a Sherlock movie or two? And but with Enola, like having that same split, having Sherlock and Dr. Watson with Henry Cavill and uh, Patel, 
and do like the 60-40 split that mainly focus on Sherlock and Watson. That would be so good. And I just gold, gold mine here. And bring the same writers on because they know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. What a, what a movie. Like, oh. Very, mm. very, very good film. Um, and, you know, it's it's one that we waited, what, over those two years for me. I mean, we were both extremely on, heavy on, well, we extremely loved Enola Holmes, the first one. Right. And we had to agonizely wait. We finally got the news, I guess it was at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, when they said they are going to make another one. And, you know, we've waited those two years. And and that's something, too. I wanted to watch, that's what it was when I was thinking about movies I had watched. I wanted to watch Enola Holmes before seeing this one. But it turns yeah. out you didn't really have to because they kind of summed things up quite well and the callbacks i loved the callbacks you had edith her mom in there and yep. just all those brilliant beautiful callbacks and it's just really good like they they know what they're doing and i need them to, to do this movie series forever please dear I, lord i like the way that they start the film because you get her running from the cops at the very beginning mm-hmm. and you're like all right what, what's happened and then she breaks the fourth wall and says let me explain. And it goes all And it the way reverses back. it back. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Love the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm just a I sucker to... for fourth wall breaking. Probably. Yeah. That, that might be what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, She-Hulk, Anola Holmes. Yeah. Deadpool. Never seen that movie. Yeah, Deadpool. Never seen Paris Well, what's that? Huh? I just yeah, Deadpool one and two. I wonder how much they're gonna do in Deadpool three. <laughs> All right, well we'll we'll remedy that one thing uh, at some point in the future. Add it, add it to the list. Add it to the list. <laughs> add it to the list. Uh, movie review for next week. We are gonna review where the crawdad sings. It's currently on Netflix. Um, we saw the preview for this. Uh, Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd gone to see Elvis, and we, they had this preview. God, talk about like, another great movie. That looks... Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, so, I've been wanting to see this anyway. And uh, we flipped a coin, a virtual coin. <laughs> thanks, Siri. There it was. Yeah, thanks, Siri. <laughs> um, and then after that, we'll, we'll be doing a few, uh, a few Christmas movies all the way through. That is going to take us close to show 100. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do something special for that one. Like yeah. as far as film wise goes, we're going to have to pick something real special for that one. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. Um, no notable news this week in film. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing major has occurred. Um, releases, bones and all, is in theaters November 23rd. And Disenchanted is on Disney Plus, November the twenty fourth. Mm. Bones and all is like a creepy werewolf horror movie. So oh. I've seen trailers for it. I'm like, yeah, cool. Another movie I'm gonna skip. Um, uh, Chris, you played anything crazy this week? I know you said you hadn't really been really drained. So um, I hadn't played a whole lot crazy after we recorded last Sunday. I did manage to get in about half an hour for God of War. Mm, that beginning scene uh, get you as much as it got me? Yeah. Dude, that was yeah. uh, beautiful. And you're just getting started. I played um, 
I think I'm nine, ten hours in now. And I'm at, like, at, because the Video Game Award uh, nominations came out. You know, son of a, that's what I meant to bring up. That's exactly what I got to bring up. Um, we'll hit the, we'll hit the big ones up on that one. Okay. I, I meant to add that to the docket. I knew I was forgetting something. Um, but there are some performances in this game that are just out, out of this world. And I want to mention two, but two of them are spoilers. <laughs> Both are spoilers, so I can't really, uh, reveal that, those yet. Uh, but man, it's so good. Uh, so I played a little bit more of that. Just a couple more hours. Nothing crazy. Call of Duty's Warzone 2 and DMZ came out this week. Phenomenal. Like, I'm all back in and cannot stop playing that whenever I get a chance to play with uh, my buddy. And just nonstop. And then Pokemon Scarlet came out on Friday. I played maybe three hours. Nothing, nothing worthwhile yet. Very, from what all the reviews have said... It's a near-perfect game, except the technical issues are so, so bad. It hitches, you get frame drops so bad, um, pop-ins, pop-outs. It just shows you how dated the Switch is and how much we need a Switch Pro. And even on the Switch OLED, people are saying the same exact issues. And I'm just like, oh, like this, we are, we're reaching the, the limit to the Switch. I, I honestly think we've already passed the limit of it, but... As long as I keep making money and making record-breaking deals, why do you need to make a better one? So, um, but that's been my week. Hopefully, this week with it being a holiday, I can get a little bit more gaming in and not having to work. Hopefully, I can get some more gaming in. But uh, like I told you, the pre-show, my cousin and very close friends coming out for the holidays starting tomorrow. So I imagine there's gonna be a bunch of tomfoolery we get into, and we'll see. So Just, uh, don't end up in the hospital. Yes, I, I don't want to end up back in the ER. So hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> News this week. This is a big one we've been talking about for some time. The Witcher 3's next-gen update is finally coming on December 14th for free. Um, so I can't wait to play that on Xbox Series X. And maybe actually, I don't know. I'll still be playing these games by then. But if not, I finally want to beat The Witcher 3. I've been like halfway, 75% through. And never beat it, but with an updated graphics and everything, oh yeah, I want to jump back in. And then we had the Game Awards list come out for 2022, which is only, I think that's what, two weeks away? It is two weeks away from this Thursday. God, I can't wait. Um, we're going to skip like a bunch of the esports stuff, um, just because it's, we don't, between you and I, we really don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Uh, best debut indie, Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, and Vampire Survivors. Uh, I think Stray wins that one. That's but, the only one I've seen anything of. Yeah. But. Neon White, I've seen some gameplay of. Stray's just a bigger game because of PlayStation exclusive as well. Um, best indie, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. Honestly, between those five, Toss-up. Complete toss-up. Cult of the Lamb, I know I'm wanting to play. It's on, not on Game Pass, but I've been wanting to buy it because it's only $30, and it looks fun, and you get to name your cult, and it just looks really cool. Uh, <laughs> best ongoing game, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. I would love for Destiny to win. It's either going to be Apex or Genshin, though. 
um, Games for Impact, and Memoir Blue as Dusk Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling, Extinction is Forever, Hindsight, and I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. I've only heard of as Dusk Falls, personally. So, um, Best Performance, Ashley Birch in Horizon Forbidden West, Charlotte McBurney, A Plague Tale Requiem, Christopher Judge, God of War Ragnarok, who plays Kratos, Man and Gage, Immortality, and Sonny Soljic from God of War Ragnarok, he plays um, Atreus and or Loki. Uh, I, I would hope Christopher, eh, I, it's between Christopher Judge and Ashley Birch, personally, but their Kratos is such a good and complex character. I think he wins it. Christopher Judge does, but he, he won it, what, four years ago for 2018 for best character. So could he pull up a back-to-back? I imagine he could, just because he's wonderful. Um, best audio design, Call of Duty Marvel Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, again, toss-up between God of War and Horizon, although Elden Ring... Could come in there. I don't know about audio for them. Uh, best score in music. Olivier Derevery from A Plague Tale Requiem. Suka, Tsukasa Saito from Elden Ring. Bear McCrary, God of War Ragnarok. Two Feathers from Metal Hellsinger. And Yasunori Mitsuda from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I don't have enough insight. I mean, God of War has got some beautiful stuff. So does Elden Ring. But. It's tough because unless you've actually listened... And paid attention to the scores. Yes. You can't really. And let me tell you, God of War, like ever since these nominations come out, I've been paying attention. I've been listening, making sure I'm listening. And God of War's got some good stuff in there. But yeah. Elden Ring, the music, I don't really pay attention to when I was playing it. And the other ones I've not played. So I can't really speak on that one. And then a couple more. Best Art Direction, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, and Stray. Are you starting to see a pattern here, Chris? <laughs> and that's and this is something that people have been bringing up on a quick side note have you heard any Xbox exclusives yet because there were none this year that yeah. fits any of this which is unfortunate and trust me they have noticed uh, Microsoft Xbox has noticed this so we'll see what next year looks like um, best art direction Elden Ring might get that I would like Horizon Forbidden West to win something we will see. Best Narrative, A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality. Elden Ring, I don't think will win. Plague Tale, did never play. God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West for me. Of course, I'm not even halfway through Ragnarok and the story is so damn good. Um, but Horizon Forbidden West was a decent story, not as good as the first one to me. So I picked God of War for this one. And then, second to last, best game direction. We might as well just keep going. Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. A toss-up. Depends what whatever the critics pick for that one. And then, Game of the Year, Plague Tale, Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And I believe I voted for God of War, Ragnarok. Even just for the limited amount that I've played. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the favorite. Mm. It's, it's going to be between seeing... it and Elden Ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a surprise pop up there like straight just to elevate. Well, that's what happened last year. Game of the year was um, right. that one indie from uh, 
Joseph, uh, what's his name from his studio? Um, the divorced yeah. mom and dad one. It takes yeah. two. Yeah. So, which was a complete so, out of nowhere pick. So maybe we get that again. I doubt it because God of War is such. It's heavy it's honestly between Elden Ring and God of War. Like I don't. Yeah. That, that's been the whole conversation this whole year. Can God of War upset Elden Ring? And because a lot of people played it, absolutely loved it, and I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it for Horizon because they can't win anything. So we'll see. Maybe the because from one of the podcasts I was listening to, I, I kind of heard the um, the 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 ways and the, the weights and the votes. So a lot of these are ninety percent like your your critics, like your uh, your websites and things like that, and 10% fan votes like you or I. And I'm like, I don't like that. But I think that's yeah. that's every award show anywhere. So I don't mind the critics having more of a say, but I think they need to balance it better. Yeah, like maybe a 60-40. I can't even want a 60-40 for some reason tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, even, like... Uh, even 75-25. Yeah. There, there needs to be a, a different way there. But those are your nominations for Game of the Year. We've got two weeks until that. And I, God, I'm i so excited. It's my favorite event every year. And such a nerd, I guess. <laughs> Notable new releases. Just Dance 2023 on everything but PC, November 22nd. So, guys, this that has been this week's episode of the Nerdway Podcast. Hopes, I hope every single one of you guys have a great and fun Thanksgiving. If you go out Black Friday shopping and get some good nerdy games, movie stuff, let Chris or I know or the Nerdway Podcast uh, page know on Twitter. I would love to see it. I don't know if we're going out this year. I think we might late at night, but if only we could find something. Usually we find like a bunch of cool little movie box sets or TV box sets that we get. Um, so we'll we'll see if we go out and find something there. Usually a good time to pick up some of those CW shows. Yes, that's where usually when we do pick them up. So oh, Speaking of, I need to get Superman and Lois season two but ladies that's been speaking of that's something else we haven't heard anything else from season three we know they started filming it but we have not heard anything else since we knew what's his name left yeah so that's the last we've heard and bitsy tolick hadn't been posted on instagram or anything so i'm like this is this is odd because during the first the second season it's all she was doing so i don't know what's going on there hopefully it's not a sign or maybe it means there's a lot of surprises yeah that too uh, ho- ho- hopefully it's that and not the first one um, yeah. but guys thank you all so much for watching and listening to this episode of the Nerdwide Podcast don't forget to share it on all your favorite social media platforms and don't forget to rate and review us on whatever podcasting service you are using on social media you can follow us at Nerdwide on Twitter at Nerd underscore Wide you can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes and you can follow Chris at MFTN7 if you're on the Facebook side of things go to Facebook.com and you can search that little search bar for Nerdwide or Nerdwide Podcast or the first thing that pops up with our logo. If you follow us on either one of those, those are your first ways to notify when we post an episode if you're not already subscribed. But as I said earlier, have a great Thanksgiving and we will see you next time for a bunch of Christmas Mr. Oh, the Santa Claus that show I cannot wait and where the crawl dad sings. But guys, have a great holidays and we will see you next week. <laughs>